Swanson to first. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Episode 108 of Four Future Considerations. Yes, I know. I can't believe we've made it 108 episodes. But the boys are all here, Manny. Matt and John, fellas, how you doing? I'm good, Manny. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How are you, John? I'm good. Good. I'm excited for our interview tonight. Uh, it should be uh, fun, but before we get to that, aren't aren't there uh, 108 things you guys want to talk about? Like, what's going on? What's 108? Well, I got I got one for you. It's gonna make me mad. It's going to make you it's mad. It's going to make me mad, but I got Are you I sure got you want to say one. this? I got an obvious one. I got to double check something real quick on this. Oh, too my God. This is say. what we need is Matt to get angry and unhinged here. Right. We, we're we not even a minute in, yeah, and yeah. he's already losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. It's, I know. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, we're not even talking about baseball this time, and here we go. Well, maybe. There's 108 stitches on a baseball. Oh, did you really? know? I did yep. not know that. Did you know? And I, I, I was just checking because the line from Bull Durham, Susan Sarandon's monologue at the beginning, I believe she says there's 108 beads on a rosary and 108 stitches in a baseball. Oh, wow. And that's why she believes in the church of baseball. But 108 stitches Great. in a baseball. Great movie. Rashad, what's going on? Um, I did you still have like- snow up in Marktail? Oh, yeah. We got a ton earlier this week. Oh, my God. I was out there Monday night at 11 p.m. after the attack game having to shovel my way into the driveway before I could pull the car in. Manny's opening his pool next week. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. You got to get out of there, John. But close. But close. When are you coming down? We've got, like, the Kentucky Derby. It's coming up. up. For Saturday in May. We're going to have a special guest on the show about that. The pool opening is coming up. Yeah. Rashad, you got to come down for that. It's true. I got nine days in between attack games here, so I'll just be on your couch. I'll show up on Friday night at like midnight. Hey, we've all done it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's great. Hey, this is our second show of the week, and we have a special, special guest coming up on the show on this edition that we like to call the OT. Yeah, you've been talking about this one all week, Manny. But before we get to the guests, reminder to go back and listen to 107, uh, the first episode that we had this week. Uh, we debated football, talked about the Russell Wilson deal, the Aaron Rodgers deal. We talked about baseball and nothing happening. Mm. And we had some music from 1994. So that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah, I learned a few things about John Rashad in that episode. I know, absolutely. You want to know a little more about our buddy John? Went to school with a famous celebrity. <laughs> Like in 1954, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Famous celebrity's father. (laughs) When when him and John A. McDonald were buddies. Oh, how come your name? How come your face is not on mint? (laughs) Politics, guys, politics. If you want to know what we're talking about, go back to listen to episode 107. That's right. We love feedback, too. So you can always send us your comments and questions by email at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. 
Or you can follow us on social media. The debate never ends on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook. Remember, share, like, comment, and the poll will be out on Monday so you can vote for the play of the week that we will reveal next week's episode. Now, this guest is someone I've been looking forward to getting on the show for quite some time. This guy is a former star in the Ontario Hockey League, an offensive-minded defenseman, first with the Kingston Frontenacs before joining the Owen Sound Platers, where I got to know him. When his OHL career ended, all he did was light up the CIS for the Queen's Golden Gales. Now he's a star lawyer and partner at Steichman Elliott in Toronto. Everything this guy touches turns to gold. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Aaron Franson. Aaron, how's it going? Well, I'm doing better now. Next time I have a bad day, I'm going to call you up and you can introduce me on a podcast and I'd feel good about myself again because goodness knows the kids never introduced me that way. So I'm doing well now. Thanks, Manny. If you want me to send that recording to you and it can be on your phone. Yes. Yes. So I can send it to my kids. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. No, I'm doing great. <laughs> you're good enough. You're strong enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> That's exactly right. I don't. Need, I don't need to do a daily affirmation if I just have a Manny recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Um, how have you been? Tell everybody I, what you've been up to. So you know, only over the last twenty years, you know, Manny, we probably met the first time I drove into Owen Sound, and probably Snyder picked me up or something, and then we went out to the bar right away and had some <laughs> beers. And I was of age, so everybody cannot worry about that. But I was old, uh, and Manny introduced me to all the local establishments in Owen Sound, and we had a lot of fun from there. But um, no, I've, I've since that time, I've, you know, Watts has gone on. Um, you know, I live live in Toronto with uh, my my wife and six kids and spend a ton of time in rinks chasing my you know driving two of my kids around to rinks and you know we put a rink in the backyard and playing tons of backyard hockey and so it's uh yeah it's my life is taken up by kids and and i guess a little bit of work on the side um so yeah everything everything's great it's always the case right you news like when Dan Snyder needed a welcome wagon, he always came to Manny Pava, right? So that's exactly right. And I think after the, and then we would, oh yeah, it was awesome. I, I, Snyder used to like, I don't know what I was doing. I showed up in Owen Sound. Like you'd think, I grew up in Ottawa. You'd think I know better. I show up in Owen Sound with like a ten-year-old Honda Civic with not winter tires. And Snides used to come over every single day and push me out of a snowbank. I couldn't even get out of the driveway. And, and I was, it, was, it was ridiculous. And thank goodness I lived like a block from the Kelsey's. And so it was either he got me to the rink or got me to Kelsey's. And that was, that was basically my life for how many ever months I was there, five months. I was going to say, that was probably in April that that happened, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, you know what? Owen, it was, Owen Sound was maybe the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. I, show, I showed up. I got traded on Boxing Day. I show up, again, in my Honda Civic by myself with some garbage bags in the back seat with my stuff in it. And I pulled into a, the TD on the main street to get some cash out or whatever. And I like I, I didn't have any idea. I don't know what was going on. And they're like, oh, no, we know who you are. I mean, Owen Sound's so tight. Like, everybody just knows you immediately. It's just the best. 
And, you know, obviously that team was unbelievable. So we had so much fun. Like we never lost. It was, uh, it was just, a, it was a ton of fun. So. Yeah. You guys should yeah. have won it all that year. I'm still pissed oh, off about that. So. Oh, I'm so pissed off too. Like there's no excuse. Like we had guys, I mean, Joel Ward was on our third line. Like we were, <laughs> we were so good. <laughs> like We're so good. Oh, Ward. Yeah, that was awesome. so, let's, yeah. uh, let's go back a little bit. Um, uh, you growing up in Ottawa, uh, did you always want to play hockey as a kid? Yeah, yeah, all I ever wanted to do. So it's funny, I, like I I used to drag my dad out of out of bed, and I, I grew up kind of I don't know downtown. I grew up in the I grew up like two blocks from the Civic Center, like where the sixty sevens play. And there was a, a rink in, in Ottawa, you can have natural ice like six months a year. So there was a rink at a schoolyard behind our house. And I used to try and drag my dad out of bed on Saturday mornings just to go play outside. And it was like minus 30. And my dad just wanted nothing to do with it. So he tied my skates and I was like six years old. And I'd walk over to the rink and I'd be there every day. Um, and and I, I just loved it. Um, you know, I played everything growing up, but hockey was kind of the only thing we paid to play everything else. I just played in the schoolyards and stuff. And I just, I, I loved it. I, I had no idea about anything. I just loved getting on the ice and playing hockey. It was, it was the best. Um, so by far, by far the only thing I ever really wanted to do, although I didn't know what it meant to want to do it. So I I just, I wanted to play. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. When, and when you get to that point, uh, you know, you had gone through uh, your minor midget program and, and you had the opportunity, I'm sure, at that point to decide if you were going to go the NCAA route, if you were going to go to the OHL. Um, was that a decision that, that was in your mind or is that something that just kind of uh, uh, took on a life of its own and, and you ended up in the OHL or what was your thinking going into the league? So I had a super unique, well, I don't know, a, a relatively unique path. So I, you know, growing up in Ottawa, I, I actually ended up after, at the time, it was Major Bantam, but the equivalent of minor midget, I ended up going down to prep school in the U.S. for two years. And and I don't know, like it just kind of came up. So I went down to prep school. And after my first year in prep school, I went down to camp in what was then the Detroit Junior Red Wings and soon to be the Plymouth Whalers and made the team but decided, oh, I want to go back to school. I want to go to university. And then after my, but it kind of put the idea in my head. And then after my second year of prep school, I kind of decided I wanted to come back and play in the OHL instead of going uh, to the NCAA. And I mean, at the time I was kind of, the schools I was being recruited by were kind of like Yale, Princeton and Dartmouth and all those sort of schools um, and not really the big hockey powers at the time. And, you know, I had an opportunity to go to Kingston. I could go to Queens at the same time. It was, it wasn't at home in Ottawa, but it was two hours away. So it was a perfect kind of <laughs> combination. Uh, I don't think I could have moved. I don't think my mom would have had me back at home. I'd become too much of a slob by that point in my life. And, um, and so that, you know, that, that really presented a good opportunity and, and I was able to kind of do school and, and play in the O at the same time. And to be honest, I, I never even thought of playing in the O and in major band, like in minor midget. It, it just, I, I didn't really, like, I wasn't that good a player and I just didn't think of it as an opportunity. And I just kind of developed late and kind of kept figuring it, you know, figured it out a little later uh, than others and, and kind of took it when it came. And then you played three seasons in the OHL. And not only did you rack up the points, you also racked up the penalty minutes. You had 189 PIMs in 63 games in 97-98. So what was that about, a score and a, a bit of an agitator? Uh, you know what? I, I, uh, 
I kind of go, I was pretty old school. I mean, it was still relatively old school when I played and I had an assistant coach when I was a rookie in Kingston that basically said I had no, and a coach, Gary Agnew, that basically told me I had no choice. And then I was six foot two and a defenseman and you, you know, I had to fight. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I, kinda, I, uh, I, I taught myself a little bit to fight and then I spent the summers learning to fight. Like if I was going to get in, you know, under the premise, if you're going to get in a fight, win the fight and knock the other guy out. And so I kind of took that approach. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I got to admit, I didn't love it, but it was kind of just something that, that happened. Um, and you know, you know, I had a temper, a little, a little bit of a temper. <laughs> oh, that, that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The, the funny thing is like, this is the, the other part of my background. Like I grew up, I'm a Mennonite. I grew up in the Mennonite church and like, I've never been in a fight off the ice. I've been close to being in fights. I've never thrown a punch off the ice in my life. And it's just like, so I, I don't know what, you know, I spent a lot of time in bars in university and convincing my friends not to fight and, people not to pick fights with my friends, but, um, on the ice was just different, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. You were always the peacekeeper at Owen Sound when we went out. I remember Yeah, to totally. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the toughest player you fought in the OHL? Well, I wouldn't call Mike Danton tough, but I fought Ward Jefferson. I fought him a bunch and beat the piss out of him a bunch of times excuse me but like but he was tiny like that doesn't really count like i like to beat up on little guys i guess i guess that makes me not that tough um what was there was that kid in kitchener darcy um from the east coast and he was all he was super tough i fought him well i guess i fought james neal a bunch of times as a rookie he was tough um, he's tough yeah 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 I, I the best was uh, Matt Karkner when we were in in Peterborough and I was being a total idiot on the ice and Matt comes down and I knew Matt, like I boxed with Matt in the summers and we worked out together because he's an Ottawa Valley kid so he would come into Ottawa and we'd work out we had the same trainer and stuff and uh, and I was just being an idiot and he comes in and he grabs me and I kind of look and like I'm six two he's six five easily and and I look up at him I'm like Karks just let me go and I'll stop being an idiot. And he's like, okay, Franny, that's it. Fine. <laughs> just stop being an idiot on the ice. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I was smart enough not to, uh, not to grab those guys. James Boyd chased me around for, you know, eight games one year. Cause I cross checked him and broke his jaw as a rookie. And so James, so Boyd chased me around. He was tougher than I was too. Um, and thank God I never got beat up too bad by him. Um, but he, he was tougher than I was. I'm going to tell yeah. James Boyd you said that. Get in his good graces. Well, he is yeah. definitely – well, he remember like I literally broke his draw with a cross. It was very dirty. Uh, and he, he had every right to – and, you know, I was a rookie. And all the guys before every – and in Kingston, he was in Belleville. And before every game we played them after that, everybody's like, Franny Boyd, he's going to kick the shit out of you today. Like, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. That makes me feel Go good team. about life. Yeah, exactly. Life, life in the OHL when your teammates always have your back, pumping you up before games. <laughs> so, so it was no coincidence that you got traded for Sean Avery then because you were the same yeah, exactly. player. Is that back in the day? Yeah. And you know, the funny part is like, so I would, after that year, Aves was still in, still in Kingston and I still had buddies on the team and I was back in, I was back in Kingston at Queens and he would show up at my house 
like to drink and party like my house on campus to drink and party all the time with all the guys <laughs> and I'm like great hey so you know buddy Oh man! So, uh, so, anyways, I got to know. I obviously didn't know him from playing. Like we, he was in Owen Sound. I was in Kingston. We only played twice a year, and then and then we got traded for each other. So we didn't know each other. But I got to know him a little bit when he uh, when he crashed my house. <laughs> <In the ghetto. laughs> Same guy. Same yeah, guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Actually, that I actually got to know him the year before. Someone sent me uh, pictures of the year before when we went on that playoff run in Owen Sound. He would he kept driving back every playoff series at, at the end of every playoff series to go out with us after we won. Yeah, we I remember that. Hank. Yeah, and so Vooch sent me a picture not that long ago with Abe. It's like like he was on the team. Like yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I got <laughs> that same picture from Vooch. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Great. I'm like, is that Sean Avery? And he's like, yeah. yeah. Don't you remember that? <laughs> so you've you've led into some of the great times that you had at Owen Sound. You get a chance to play with Adam Mayer, Dan Snyder, like you said, Joel Ward. What are some of the things that that really stand out about uh, being in in the locker room with that kind of group of guys? You know, you know what? That it was such an easy group to to get along with. So I I knew Mersey and Snyder because we were in Leaf Camp that year together so we you know we had hung out for we were in rookie camp in that main camp so we had hung out for like a, it felt like it was probably a month uh like just every day for like 10 hours a day together and so um i i knew them a little bit and so showing up in owen sound was very comfortable i didn't really know anybody else on the team but those guys kind of made me feel really comfortable and then you know i immediately became like best friends with sanford and and it was just the the group the group of guys was, and probably as a result of Snyder was such an amazing leader. Like you couldn't not follow that guy into battle, into battle. Um, and, and everybody trusted him and, and just loved the guy. And so, you know, we had guys on that team that were kind of, you know, a little bit of loose cannons and some younger guys, but everybody just kind of fell on the line. It was a really easy group um, for, for me to be a part of because I didn't have any, like I guess I was a leader a little bit. I was twenty, and so I was old. But like, like it was there was no leadership response. Like there was no leadership gap there at all. Like, and you had Dahmer, and like there was just such a great group of guys that. We, and and when your best players are great leaders and are great um, and are the hardest workers on the team and are the toughest guys on the team, in the case of Marzi and Snyder, like it's a pretty easy easy group to play with and guys kind of just fall in line. Um, honestly, it was just a ton of fun. Um, and the coaching staff was unbelievable. They, they kind of got it and, and really let Marzi and Snyder kind of run the show and, and didn't, and didn't kind of, you know, they just let, let them kind of feel the pulse of the locker room and, and, and kind of do what they needed to do. Um, it, it was a really good, really good group of guys. Then you also played five seasons in the CIS with Queens. And then in one year you had another 95 in PIMS. But uh, how is that experience overall? How would you compare um, CIS to the OHL and uh, the difference? CIS rough and tumble too? 95 PIMS no, in a year, no, Franny? They, they just, they hated me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the CIS, what the CIS, when I played, was super dirty. Cause we were mass and, and like, so everybody was constantly like, it was very, very chippy. Um, so at Queens, we were um, definitely kind of a bottom half team. Like when I played Western and, and 
University of Three Rivers, like Quebec, UQTR were by far the best teams in in uh, the OUA, um, and they were much better than everybody else. And and so it was like the hockey part of it was a little bit of a struggle to be honest. But the like the actual the wins and losses, the the best the guys on those teams are are pretty amazing people, especially like. I, at Queens, you know, I, I, I played with doctors, like literally guys in med, not just became doctors, like we're in med school. I played with other guys in law school. Um, there was a bunch of engineers on the people in engineering school that, you know, you, you go to, you're in engineering at Queens, that's 40 hours of class a week. Like, like you are not messing around. And, and to do that, plus practice for two hours and then get on the road, you know, every weekend, it is a commitment. Um, and, you know, we had we had guys that were like 25 years old that were like in teacher's college and, and doing practicums. And so like it is an eye opener of what what I mean, I guess we were still all kids, but they they like they really matured me pretty quickly. Like like you'd say I, I grew up fast. A locker room at Queens is a very or at least when I was there was a very different thing than a locker room in the OHL. And and, you know, people long-term girlfriends that became their wives and it's just a different it's a different atmosphere and in it and you know i grew up pretty quickly there um and, and really loved it i i would say i think the hockey in the cis is got especially in the oua has it's it's not comparable now to what it was then it is so much better now like i guess it's almost 20 years later like i <laughs> it's it's funny i spend a lot of time recruiting um x uh, or current uh, Queens players and, and former Queens players who go to law school to our law firm. Like I think we have three or four of them um, that we recruit. We hire 20 students a year, like uh, Art of Queens students a year. And we, every time someone goes through that played hockey at Queens, I try and try and hire them. And I've had a lot of success and we have a couple guys on the team, like former captains and stuff that, I mean, sorry, a couple guys of the firm that are at Queens. And so I, I've kind of gotten back into it and watching, watching them. And, and the hockey is just, it's unbelievable, really. Like it's really good hockey. And the fact that they can balance that and go to school and a lot of them go to law school and professional, you know, teacher's college, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive stuff. And all these guys like at Queens, they're all, they didn't just play major junior hockey. They were like good players. Like they, they have a rookie at Queens right now that scored like 55 goals in the O last year. Like it's not uh, played in Kitchener. Like they, like these guys weren't fourth line guys. They were just getting by. Like they're they're real players. So, anyways, it, it was you know it was it was awesome for me. The hockey was kind of pretty good and and a ton of fun. But the hockey now is is actually very very good hockey. Like those those guys can play. <laughs> like there's just no way around it. When you talk about the caliber of people you uh, met there and played with, um, it doesn't surprise me because I spent some time in the Kingston area in high school and some of the smartest people I know couldn't get into Queens. So some yeah, pretty there, impressive people. Yeah, there, there's some good, 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 uh, good people around there. I, I enjoyed it. I spent a lot of time in Kingston. <laughs> I graduated from high school in Kingston. I, then, then I spent, you know, four years in undergrad and three years in law school. I feel like it was home, home for a long time. It's a great uh, city, though. It's a great it's a, city. It's an unbelievable city. I, I loved it. Like, obviously, I stayed there for eight years after. Yeah. And, you know, some of my best friends in the world are still from there. And, uh, yeah, it, it's great. It, I love it.
What's the, you were touching on it just for a little bit there, Aaron, you know, what's the biggest difference, you know, now today when you watch the O, when you watch OUA compared to when you played in those leagues? Um, just the depth of skill. So like we had awesome, like if you think, think of it, like we had awesome players and, and really skilled guys on the first line and then sometimes on the second line and there were some young guys, but and you might have had a couple of defensemen that could, you know, handle the puck and play. Like we had a, a couple, like if you just think of my time in Owen Sound, you know, I could kind of handle the puck. Dahmer was really good. But now you, you look at the guys that play in the O, like they are all, like the skill level is off the charts and they can all skate way better. Uh, I mean, they're, which I get now that I have kids that, you know, play in the GTHL, I, I understand wh- why that happens. Just the amount of time kids put into hockey and skill now, it's next level and, and handling the puck. And there, there's no more chip and chase and try and fight your way through everything. It's, you know, everybody needs to be able to skate and handle the puck and make a, make a good three-foot pass. And so it, that's by far the biggest difference. Um, also a lack of, a lot, you know, there's obviously less fighting and, and less of that stuff. It, it's funny. I have a, I guess my, it's my cousin's kid was just in camp in in Guelph and my dad was watching it and, and I asked my dad, I said, how is he doing? He's like, Oh, he's great. He's doing really well, but he's, you know, he's not standing out and they have a bunch of guys that are drafted higher that are on D. And I told I said, my dad, I said, well, you just got to tell him to grab someone and fight him. Like everybody will. <laughs> Dad's like, that is no, that will not fit in around here. <laughs> it's like people have barely thrown a hit, let alone had a fight. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I'm like, well, it probably would have worked out better for him. He probably still should have. Like, I think the coach in Guelph is a pretty old school guy. He probably would have liked it. But uh, anyways, I think that's a it's another big change, which I think is for the better. Like I don't I don't think people should be, you know, just grabbing people and fighting them anymore it's kind of there's a reason <laughs> that's an that's old gone. Aaron Franson move that's an old Aaron <laughs> yeah Franson. exactly when, when you're embarrassed just grab a guy and fight him that's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way to get out of it <laughs> and you got a chance to play for the Canadian national team as well and the international hockey too what was that about yeah so you know what that was is when I my first I think it was my first or second year um they were they were doing it was those old those teams that used to do tours and they were short some guys when they were in you know the Kingston neck of the woods and and you know when I could still sort of play they needed some guys and so I they called me up and it was a ton of fun I think Spezza was Spezza actually was on the team when he, he was like sixteen and he was still like the best player on the ice <laughs> um, <laughs> he was so good. Um, <laughs> There, I have a good special story. He was 14 years old or 15, whatever, when he was a double underage in Brampton before he went. Um, he he, uh, he was in Kingston, and I don't know what I was doing forechecking, given I played deep, but I was forechecking, and he literally toe-dragged me in his own crease and, and then walked around me. I was like, this is really embarrassing that a 14-year-old <laughs> just toe-dragged me in his crease. I did not grab the 14-year-old and fight him. That would have been also embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so the, yeah, the international, and it was a ton of fun, you know, like everybody dreams of playing for their country and it wasn't really playing for my country. I played some exhibition games in like Newmarket, but in, in Belleville, but it was, uh, it was pretty cool to put on the Jersey and, and, you know, actually get to play. So do you still have the Jersey? No, no, they didn't get, I don't even have a picture of it. Um, you know, <laughs> long, like, smartphones, you know, digital cameras didn't even exist. 
<laughs> Come on, you're not well, that old. It's on your elite prospects, so it happened. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what it's like. Someday, it's it's funny. My kids, my kids have never like they don't look that kind of stuff up. But they did go on YouTube and put my name one in one time and fights again because obviously Danton's had some issues, and so everything Danton related is on the internet. And so all my fights against him are all on there. Um, and so that my kids discovered in school in like grade two or three. So that was a great day. <laughs> yeah, what's that conversation like? Yeah, I wasn't. Ah, they know I'm an idiot. So they, it's fine. I just, you know, just you know whatever. It's, the, fun, the funny thing is when my uh, my older guy who's in whatever he's in, Peewee, um, or minor Peewee, they had a, they, they almost got, like this is my temper comes out. They got in a fight against uh, the junior Canadians. He plays for Don Mills. And they got in a fight against the in an exhibition game at the start of the year, and it was like almost a, a bro- like everybody was scoring off. And I was like, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, if you're going, it was my old mentality. If you're going to get in a fight, you better learn, you better know how to fight because someone else is going to know how to fight. And so, anyways, that's my bad temper is wanting to teach my 11 year old how to <laughs> knock someone's head off. <laughs> uh, Aaron Franson is our guest having a great conversation with the former OHL star Listen, everybody asks me every once in a while because you were so good back in the day did you ever think about going pro well yeah until they didn't want me um, <laughs> <laughs> so after so after my uh, you know I, I talk about all this fighting crap but after after that year in Owen Sound I went camping Colorado and I went without a contract and so I went to rookie camp and then main camp and Bob Hartley was the coach but uh, you know like Sackick and Forsberg that team was stacked and Adam Foote and all those guys were on that team anyway and um, but the the Bob Hartley after calls me like after a practice, like an inner squad game or something, he's like, you know, Francis, someone told me that you were tough and I don't understand why you're not fighting. At which point I said, well, because, you know, I don't know, there hasn't been an opportunity. It's just camp. And so I just, I never, I didn't, I think, I don't know if I didn't want it enough. I just didn't want to fight for a living. Um, and and uh, Felino was the coach in the AHL. And so when they sent me down, um, they cut me and then sent me down. They were sending me down to Hershey and uh, for Hershey's camp, and they made it very clear that they wanted me to fight. And I just like I just called up my agent and I said, I think it's just time for me to go home. Um, and, and go and I was already enrolled at Queens. I had finished two years, um, and so I just called up the coach and he put me in touch with the dean of students. And I just decided that it was time um, to get on with life. I'm not sure that was the right decision, but you know. I, I just, it, I, I never saw myself as a tough guy and certainly wasn't that tough that that's what I wanted to do for a living. So, Knowing what we know now about uh, the damage fighting can do to you, I mean, it seems like you made the right decision. You're at a law firm rather than having to deal with the aftermath of a career of fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the, it's the concussions. It's all the other stuff that people put their you know, all the other substances people often resort to in order to get, you know, fighting, sitting in a locker room, knowing you're probably going to get beat up or there's a decent chance you're going to get beat up is not a great feeling. Um, so it's not shocking that some of them, like some of them are crazy, but some of the, like some of them needed to 
take stuff to get ready to do that. Like that, that seems like a rational set of decisions to me, um, to, you know, to put yourself, when you think about it, they're getting in a bare knuckle brawl on ice. Like that, that's a pretty dang, you know, you know, and by the end they were all like six, six, two forty. Like that seems like a, a dangerous way to make not that much money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you didn't um, grab Sackick or Forsberg, right? No, I <laughs> never did. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've heard the Matt Cook story, though, right? Like Matt Cook, how he in uh, in Toronto, he was in camp in Toronto whenever the year before he signed in Vancouver, um, and I played with Cookie in Kingston after the World Junior, after he knocked out Avery in the in the All Star game. In the All Star game, yeah, yeah. And so it was Cookie. <laughs> some Cookie stories from Kingston, but uh, the story of Matt Cook is like he in Toronto camp and God bless him. Like I, I respect people that can do this. Like he ran everybody, including like Gilmore, like everybody, like he was just not scared. Um, and he made a name for him. Like, you know, he was five foot nothing in, in an era where people were big and scary dudes and there wasn't much room for five foot nothing guys that weren't great skaters. Um, and he made a great career for himself. I have all the respect in the world for that. Um, what? Not for what? me, but all the respect. Like, it, it, it's, <laughs> like it's truly, a, it's it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Um, What's the other Matt Cook story from Kingston? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Cookie, Cookie is a funny guy. I love Cookie. I like I, I I defended him till the end in all of his issues. Like I never thought I actually didn't think he was that dirty. Maybe that says more about me than anybody else. I never thought he was that dirty. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> See, I liked him when he was a Canuck, but I heard all of my friends who weren't Canucks fans complain about him all the time. But even the Savard hit, like yeah, absolutely that shouldn't be in the game. But at the time, absolutely that was part of the game. Like I, I you know. People did that all the time. Go back and look at the Scott Stevens hits. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like, 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 that was just what was done, and and I don't know why people got so upset with. I mean, I understand like what happened to Mark was terrible, and like it's awful that he's had to live through all that. So I, I'm not saying, but like, I'm not sure how we can pick on Cook as the you know as the dirty one of that era, like as compared to everybody else. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because that hit sort of became one of the big factors in changing the game. And it sort of seemed like he had to wear that when a lot of people made careers out of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, to me, he played on the edge because he was literally five foot ten and not a great skater and was a great team guy. And he had no choice. And every coach that he ever played for probably told him to do that. What do you say? Is he supposed to then change? <laughs> like, like it, That never made any sense to me. You had a chance to uh, to go through the CHL, uh, as we mentioned. You're you're now uh, one of the biggest lawyers in in not just Toronto and Ontario, but uh, Canada, from what Mania has explained. <laughs> what what did the and, and the OHL and the, and the CHL itself has, has considered you or, or done features on you as being a, a champion of the league? How did the OHL really set you up for uh, a future outside of hockey? Well, in a bunch of ways, like, so there, there's the obvious direct way of just, um, you know, the, the, like the education package, uh, was amazing. Like I, you know, like I said, if I, if I didn't end up going, playing in the O, I probably would have gone to, you know, Yale or Princeton or something like that. Some of the best schools in the U S you know, coming, but it wasn't that hard to give that up because I could play, you know, it was always kind of a dream to see if I could play in the O and I could go to Queens and Queens while I still played in the O and Queens was, 
is a very good school. And so I was able to kind of do both. And that, that was, and, and they paid for it. And I had money that paid for a lot of it all the way through law school. So there, there's just the obvious financial support. Um, and, and nowadays, even more than when I played, I mean, it's almost an expectation that people take their school package. So you, you know, you play in the O and if you can't, and it puts you in the best position to play professional hockey. And if you decide not to, or you can't like me and I couldn't, you, you, you have this awesome opportunity to keep playing hockey for another five years and, and going to school, you know, the less, the less obvious ways, um, are, you know, there's a, there's a real, uh, learning to juggle school and, um, and be on the road for four days, um, every weekend or, you know, every other weekend, however the road schedule works out and, and basically getting your schoolwork done before you even go on the road, because, you know, school, let's be honest, is secondary when you're playing in the O cause you're trying to play professional hockey. Like that's your number one objective and it should be, um, but you still need to get your schoolwork done. And so the, the discipline to get that schoolwork done is, is something that just carries over with, or for me, it carried over into figuring out how to work, you know, how to get work done at, at work in a law firm, um, being the low man on the pole in a law firm, you know, is not that different than being a rookie in the OHL, um, in both, you know, culturally as well as uh, just learning the habits and, and knowing how to operate under stress. Um, and then you, you have mentors like I, my second year in the O, I played for Larry Mavity, um, who, who honestly, you know, people may be surprised at this, but some of the, some of the things that I took, uh, from Mav are the things I think about the most when I'm kind of dealing with kind of the human, the interpersonal stuff, working with clients and, and, and that kind of stuff were honestly lessons I learned, uh, from Mav. Um, and, and so there, you know, it, it comes up all the time, but, but not a small part of it is just learning at a young age or relatively young age, how to kind of perform under pressure. And there's not a lot of, you know, there, people can learn that in other ways, but certainly doing it in the OHL is, is or, you know, in, in high pressure hockey is a wonderful way to learn that, that skill. Um, so. It's a great explanation really. And, you know, we had Sanai Sapurji on here and, you know, I met Mav. He's a great guy. And she had some great stories about Mav too. He was, he was a great character. Who's the biggest character that you've ever met from your hockey career? <laughs> um, it's Manny Pava, isn't it? No, it's no, Manny. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Manny. Um, I don't know. Like, Matt might be up there. Like, like I'm not surprised uh, by that. Yeah he, yeah, he was a character. Yeah, Mav was certainly up there. Um, like, I'm not sure Snyder was a character, but he had a lasting impact, for sure had a lasting impact on me. Okay, so Snyder's best teammate, right? Yeah. Uh, who's your best teammate that you've ever played with? Dan's got to be up there. He he was he, just the way he led and both, you know, on and off the ice. Um, he didn't, I mean, it wasn't really, I mean, he was a good talker and all of that, but it was more how he led by example. Um, and he just never took a practice or a shift off. He had the highest standards for himself and he, and he held other people to high standards. And, that, and that's a real, you know, that's a really good 
a good quality in a leader is to hold yourself to the highest standards and people tend to follow that. Weirdest hockey moment. Well, I don't know how weird this is. I guess it was kind of weird. It was my first NHL camp was in Washington and I was like, and I had so the, the first line on the inter squad team that I was on was Adam Oates, Peter Bondra and Chris Simon. Um, and so I forget someone passed me the puck on the, on the off wing and I absolutely teed it up, teed it up. And I thought I broke Adam Oates's, uh, ankle with a slap shot. And it, like, I felt like the dumbest person alive. Like, I can't even imagine, like, you know, at the time he was like a hundred point guy, you know, Bonder was scoring 50 goals a year and it was just, I'm like, Oh my God, I just broke the guy. And they had just been to the Stanley cup final. And I was just like, I just broke Adam Oates, ankle. And just and he, broke the Washington capitals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like an undrafted guy that got invited to camp, just broke Adam, you know, number 78 on the United States. Like, <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> well, we know you're a Leaf fan as well. So, what are the Leafs going to do at the NHL trade deadline? Oh, good question. I would do nothing. I, I would just stick. I would stick it. I wouldn't. I. I mean, I guess if you could trade for a really high end defenseman, like that'd be great. But I don't think they're available. I wouldn't give up your first rounder, and I would. I would just stick it out. I like their forward group. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. And I don't think there's any, anything you can do about the goaltending. I, I, I don't, I, I like their goaltending and I don't think anybody in the trade, unless you're getting Vasilevsky or Markstrom, I'm not sure what you can do. So. Are you a believer? Like, are the Leafs going to go or what? Well, I, I'm a believer that the playoffs are pure luck and who knows, maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I go to, like, like, we share, my dad and I share four, four tickets. So, we go to half the half the games and uh, so we go quite a bit. And it, it's, uh, I, yeah, I think they're great. Like, I, I wouldn't change anything. Well, other than that last answer, this has been a terrific conversation. <laughs> oh man, Aaron, it's so good to see you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing the podcast. I really appreciate no, thank- you taking time out. No, thanks, guys. I really had a ton of fun. This was a lot of fun thinking about those things. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity. So, what kind of law do you do? Like, if the chickens finally come home to roost for Manny, do you know someone who can help him out, or? Well, I know people, but I'm useless. I'm literally useless to everybody I know, like personally. Um, I, I practice like <laughs> corporate law. Right. And, um, so in your part of the world, like I, I financed a ton of wind farms. So I'm not sure how you guys, there's a lot of wind farms down, down in the Windsor way. So like I, so a lot of those wind farms I would have I would have acted for the lenders that, that lent the money and, and transmission lines and stuff. So big, kind of big infrastructure and power projects and so i act for lent mostly for lenders um financing that kind of stuff so john um, he can't get me out of jail don't worry I about cannot, it. but i know a he's guy. trying to help you <laughs> yeah i know a guy <laughs> just as important yeah always uh, you always need to know a guy <laughs> our thanks again to aaron franson one of the good guys who i've come to know from my time at owen sound we, we reconnected recently and Man, he is just a joy to be around. I, he's still the same guy that I remember from the three months that he was in Owen Sound yeah. during that 1998-99 OHL season. What a team that was, eh? Oh, my what do you God. think about that, that yeah. lineup? What? Joel Ward on the third line. 
it's crazy. They they should have won it. And uh, he, I didn't remember it, but I'm glad he brought it up. Is like that very first night he was in is when he came to Owen Sound is when I met him. That's Sny- great. Snyder picked me up and said, "Hey, we got a new guy in town. Here we go." <laughs> Well, that was great. We'll add that to the archives for sure. One of the one of the great guests we've had. Remember, you can go back and take a listen to some of the uh, previous episodes where we had with some of our other great guests, Mike Fuda, Jamie Campbell, Bob Elliott, just to name a few, a ton of them to go through and uh, and take a listen to. Yeah, 108 episodes, half of them special guests. We want to thank our sponsors too for the podcast, London Awnings Quality That Shows. And Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor specializing in sport training and nutrition. Have you heard from him yet? He was supposed to be here for this. He missed two episodes this week. (sighs) We got to suspend him. That's what you do to players who don't show up. Suspend him. Suspend. Oh my gosh. He doesn't even show up. It's like he's already on a suspension. Our our first suspension. (laughs) Too harsh. Well, we're going to sort all you that out. be a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We can't suspend a sponsor. <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> you know, we're charging them double. <laughs> That's how to get them. <laughs> That's going to make making him hard. Making him pick that one up and the London Awnings bill. <laughs> we will never hear from him ever again. <laughs> Well, while we track down Shane Topolovic, have yourself a great weekend, and thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage! And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.